0: Thank you for checking out this podcast from Mountain View Christian Center, a place to connect. Well, good morning, Mountain View. And those visiting Mountain View, good morning to you. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you just, let's just get right down to business. Oh, good morning. I didn't get over there to say hi this morning. Let's just get right down to business this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and raise them up, and you can repeat after me. This is the word of God. It's able to make me wise. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And this message is for me. How many of you have ever met somebody? Probably met a person or two in your life. Have you ever been impressed with anybody that you've met? Yeah, wow, they're a pretty neat person. Or maybe on the other side, you've been kind of depressed with the person you met. Oh, they're kind of not so cool. Something we need to understand about the people that we run into, the people that we meet that, that become part of our lives, is that we all have a story. And when we meet somebody, most of the time, we're not meeting them at the end of their story, but we're meeting them somewhere in the process of their story. Our path collides or crosses with their path at some point in the process of their story. I'm 47 years old. I am not at the end of my story. I might smell like it sometimes might sound like it sometimes but i'm not at the end of my story i'm in the process of my story my story is continuing to be written don't forget that don't count me out i won't count you out don't count me out as somebody has said many years ago god ain't finished with me yet it's one thing for us to understand that when we look at one another that we're in process but how many of you you've read through scripture and you come across some of these characters and you're just impressed i mean there are some there are some mighty men and women of god mighty men and women of faith scattered throughout scripture and and you look at them you go whoa Fact is, most of the time when we're looking at them, sometimes, and this morning we're going to get into it, we're going to look, we're going to, in fact, I'm starting a series this morning talking about our story, we're going to start peeling back the layers on many of these characters in Scripture. But remember, a lot of times when we look at these folks in Scripture, we are seeing the end product. We're seeing who they ended up being, but if we're not careful, we miss the how and the Why? that they became who they became. They too were in a process, and we're gonna, we're gonna study through that, we're gonna look through that, look at a bunch of different characters. This morning, I, I had planned, I had originally planned on, on speaking on Mary, 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 the three Marys of the Gospel, but I decided just to speak on Mary, Mary, because if I threw in or kept in the third Mary, it was just gonna make it a little bit long. So it was one of those, do I, do I take one Mary out and send her to another week, and have two medium-length services or do I have one really long service so you're going to get two medium-length services but before we get into the message we've got a song and a little video and I want you to I want you to listen very carefully to the words of the song I don't know I don't think we got the one that's got the lyrics on it we don't have the lyrics up if it helps you you can close your eyes but listen it's not hard rock and roll and it's not anything that's hard to hear but just Maybe close your eyes and listen to the words of this song. Go ahead.
1: If I told you my story, you would hear hope. Wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear loud, but never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't my. Told you my story, you would hear freedom that was one for me, and if I told It draws me. song, praising my Savior all the day long.
0: We've all got a story It's being written. You need to understand your story is as important as anybody else's story in the covers of the gospel. Jesus is is helping you to write that story and don't ever forget what the Lord is doing. Let's pray, Lord, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity. I thank you, Jesus, that my story is not done being written. And I thank you, Lord, even, even more for that day that you intersected my life. Lord, that the shadow of the cross overlaid and I saw You, Thank you for changing the course of my life. Lord, I pray this morning as we get into your word that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, lives would be touched. I pray, Jesus, that we would understand the grace that is greater than all our sin. Lord, we commit this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start today, like I said, with with two Mary's. Two Marys that get quite a bit of airtime in the Gospels. I want to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want to make sure I don't step in the wrong spot. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she gets a lot of airtime in the Gospel. And I also want to look at another lady that was on the totally different side of the spectrum from her, and that is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, because these two ladies had absolutely nothing in common in their outside lives other than their names. So let's start with Mary, the mother of Jesus. You need to understand something, and, and and Mary, she these days she carries this really heavy load because there's there's groups out there that preach that she is like perfect. There's groups out there that that preach that you know she's she's the eternal virgin, that she is you know like the mother of God, and and yes, she was she is the mother of Jesus. But you know what? She wasn't perfect. We need to come to an understanding that that Mary, as neat as she was, she was chosen not because she was perfect, not because she was faultless, but she was chosen for the mission God had for her because she was faithful. There's a big difference between being faultless and being faithful, and she was faithful. That's what caught the eye of the Lord. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that all have sinned. And that word all is very inclusive. It means every single one of us from Adam and Eve on down. We carry that sin gene. We were born in sin. We have sinned. We are sinners, saved by grace. Once we come to know Jesus Christ, we're saved by grace. But but outside of Jesus, did you know that there are only two different classifications of people in the world today? That is, saint and sinner. That's it. There's no Jew or Gentiles. There's 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 only saint or sinner. I don't know how many times I hear people say, "Well, I ain't no saint." You know, a lot of those people. I'm thinking, you don't need to tell me that. That's kind of obvious. But but I'll tell you what, it it breaks my heart when I hear people in the church, people that, that have accepted Jesus Christ, people who are at least making an effort. It breaks my heart when I hear one of them say, well, I'm no saint. Well, then what are you? Jesus died that you might be a saint. You don't have to wait until you're dead. You don't have to wait until, I don't know, two or three or 12 miracles are accredited to you. If you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have moved from sinner to saint. But you're still in the process. You see, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes Mary, the mother of Jesus. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous. No, not one. Not even Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, she got to do some really incredible stuff. I mean, she was used by God, let's face it, in some amazing ways. In fact, she was used by God in ways that nobody before her and nobody after her has ever been used. I think about an immaculate conception happened one time, virgin birth, one time in the history of the world. That's never, ever gonna happen again period you you think about it I don't I don't want to sound silly or frivolous and whatnot but just because she had this great call on her life and she had this great blessing in her life the only person to ever conceive immaculately don't think that her life was easy You you think about this. The Bible says that that her husband, Joseph, had no union with her until after the baby was born. And I don't mean to be insensitive. And I don't... And I don't want to get your minds wandered in, in crazy directions, but, but any of you husbands and wives who have ever had children, you've, ladies, you've, you have been pregnant, you know there's something that goes on with the, with the hormones. And, and husbands, you're watching your wives develop this child in her body, and there's something that goes on. And for them to say, you know what, we're not going to touch each other for nine months because of what God is doing. We're not gonna to touch each other until this until this baby's but I tell you what, that is a that is a, a burden to bear. But they bore it because of the grace of God on their life. Not only that, you know, I mean she she ended up giving birth to Jesus in a in a stable, laying him in a in a manger. She had all the visitors come. The, the angels announce it to the shepherds. The shepherds come and wake her up in the middle of the night so they can see this baby. And then, as if that's not bad enough, you know I mean? They get up, they got uh, seven, eight days later, they go and, and they have him circumcised. And they give him the name that he was given before he was even conceived. They consecrate him, offering a, a pair of doves. If you look in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, you see that they, they are upholding the law for Jesus. They understand that this is the son of God, but they don't get a shortcut around anything. She didn't get a a shortened uh, pregnancy. She didn't have, you know, like a microwave thing where most women go nine months and she only went two and a half. She went the whole nine months. She didn't get to deliver in the greatest place. She didn't, she didn't get a, a shortcut on the consecration. Jesus, even though he's the son of God, didn't get out of the circumcision deal. He had to be circumcised. They go in and they, and they dedicate him and they pay the price. And if you, if you look at it, Luke points out that according to the law, they paid the price for the consecration. They made the sacrifice a pair of doves. You know what that means? It means they were flat broke. They were they were broke because the actual the actual uh, uh cost was a was a bull but if you can't afford a bull then a lamb if you can't afford a lamb then at least a couple of doves that can be caught in the hand and we see that they've got this great call in their life and they are raising the son of God but they're not getting any easy way around it God the father didn't let him win the didn't let him win the lottery he didn't drop a pile of money in their lap. But they remained faithful. The very same thing that caught God's attention in the first place, they kept on doing. They lived an adventurous life. Mothers, think about this. Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 2. Yeah, Matthew chapter 2, verse... 13 after the magi, the wise men, had showed up and, and talked to him. Look at what it says in Matthew 2:13. When they had gone, referring to the Magi. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. This wasn't part of her plan. She didn't think, you know what, I'll be, I'll be faithful to the Lord. I'll grow up and I'll do everything I'm supposed to do. And, I'll, and you know what, I get this vision from an angel. And okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bear the, the son of God. But this wasn't part of her plan to have to pack up every few months, every couple of years and run for her life. They had moved to Bethlehem. They had moved outside of Bethlehem. They had, they had established a home. The Magi came and, and blessed them. And as soon as the Magi leave, the angel shows up and says, hey, Uh, I know you're kind of comfortable. I know you like what you're doing, but you need to get up and move. I want you to move down to Egypt because Herod's going to try and kill your baby. If I'm Joseph or if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, Lord, this is your son. Why don't you just block him? This is your son. Why don't you just kill Herod? Herod wants to kill your son. Why don't you just take Herod out? But they don't. In obedience, in the middle of the night, Mary gets up, she wraps up her baby, grab whatever they can grab, and they, and they take off, and they head to Egypt. A few years later, after Herod has died, the angel appears to them again and says, hey, you can come back now. Pack up. Move again. But in the midst of that, after they moved down to Egypt, I got to thinking about this the other day as I was, as I was preparing Mary packs up her baby, and she moves to Egypt, and she gets word in Egypt that Herod had been looking for the baby, and when he couldn't find the baby, you know what Herod did? Herod ordered that every Jewish boy in the area that was two years old and younger be killed. He wasn't sure which one he was, but he was going to do what he could to get rid of them. And he ordered that they all be killed. And in fulfillment to to the prophecy that said that there was a, a great mourning, a great wailing going up because Rachel has lost her children. And you might sit there and go, wow, you know, Mary's probably going, oh, praise God, my son is alive. But if you talk to anybody that has survived A horrific accident, they're the only one that survives. There's this psychological thing that happens It's called survivor's guilt. And I think that that's not just to the individual that survived, but I can imagine that Mary now is carrying this sense of guilt. How can she ever show her face in that community again while she's got her baby, but her neighbors don't? She's got her little boy, but the other kids that were sitting in the daycare with her are dead. She has an emotional burden that she's carrying. Moms, I know that you care not just for your own kids, but your, your kids' friends. You know, when, when they hurt, you hurt. Mary hurt. She had to deal with this kind of stuff because she was faithful. somewhat humorous if you look at it in that light and in light of uh luke chapter 2 verses 41 through 49 mary and joseph were faithful they would go down to the they would go down to the temple at the certain holidays and one holiday and in uh luke rather chapter 2 verses 41 uh rather yeah 41 through 49 uh they're down there and they decide it's time to head home and and I don't know if you haven't read the story, I'll just, spoiler alert, they, they lost Jesus. They go a couple of days and they stop and they and they look around and, well, where's Jesus? They thought he was traveling with some friends, some family, he wasn't there. And I don't know, anybody that's ever lost their kid at a grocery store can probably, can probably empathize somewhat with Mary. But key, I mean, just try and put yourself in, in her shoes, not only did she lose her son, she lost God's son. And guys, try and put yourself in Joseph's spot. He's a stepdad that just lost God's son. And they can't find him for a couple of days, they're looking around, how do you? How are you going to explain this? God gave me one job, raise his son, and I lost his son. It's possible to lose Jesus, but that's a different message for a different time. They lost him. She wasn't a perfect person. She had her faults. She was a faithful person. And they found him. He was, he was in the temple. He was a little bit flabbergasted when they came in and finally found him. And, you know, Jesus' response when they they said, "Oh, what are you? What are you doing?" And he looks at him and says, "Well, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? They just didn't get it. They scolded him, come back home, be good. He was, he was, it scared him. You know, there's only one negative thing that I I can find in scripture though. I mean, other than than the, the generic all have sinned false, there's only one negative thing about Mary herself, specifically Mary, the mother of Jesus, that's ever recorded about her. And it's found, I think it's actually in all all four Gospels, but I wanna look at Mark chapter three. Mark chapter three, starting in verse 20. So it says, and Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. When his family heard, they said, let's go take charge of him. He's out of his mind. He's lost it. He's overworking himself. He's burned out. There's something snapped in his head. He's out of his mind. Let's drop down to verse 31. We'll see who his family is. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he said. And then he looked around at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. We need to understand, Jesus wasn't putting his mom down, but he also wasn't elevating her to some uh, place that she didn't belong. The only person he said you can't be is his father, but you can be his brother, his sister, his mother if you're honoring the father. But see, his own mother at some point, I don't know how she got to it, but at some point she thought that he had actually lost his mind. How, how, can, you, how can you become pregnant immaculately? How can you go through the, the nine months? How can you give birth to the Son of God? Have the shepherds come and tell you about the, about the angelic announcement. How can you have all of that happen and think my son has lost it? How can you go through raising him and and even losing him at a point and and having his own testimony, have him say, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? How can you go through that and think when he's 31 years old, my son has lost it? She had been through a lot let me just interject this. Jesus hadn't done anything miraculous for 30 years. I mean, he was born, he didn't do anything miraculous until he turned the water into wine when he was 30 years old. The enemy likes to get in and mess with our minds. He likes, to, he likes to toy with us, which is why it's so important that we be careful about the things that we watch and the things that we read and the things that we listen to and the, and the kinds of conversations that we have. We don't want to give the devil a foothold. They get in and he'll try, try to mess with him. 30 years of Jesus doing absolutely nothing miraculous. Might start to play on Mary. I don't know. But at one point she thought that she thought that he had maybe lost it. Praise God that wasn't the case. We follow her story down to John chapter 19. Verse 25, Mary stood at the foot of the cross while her son, her firstborn, died. We were at my parents' place last night for my brother's birthday and they decided to pop in a a home video that my brother and I had made for my parents' 25th anniversary. So this was 23 years ago. This is a long time ago, it was all VHS, it was very low quality, it was something we made. But there's one picture in there, and and we had videotaped this, one of the houses that we were living in, that we grew up in, and there was a hill when I was, I don't know, I was probably seven. Me and my best friend, we'd been out riding bicycles. And my friend Tim, he had learned how to ride a bicycle one-handed that's cool only, I mean and he had a cool bike I don't know how many of you remember this but you know we had the we had the old Schwinn's with the banana seats and the big old chopper handlebars and the chrome fenders and stuff I mean those were cool and the sissy bars but he had a slick on the back you know tire about this white and it was just perfectly smooth it was a it was a drag racing slick it was a bicycle version of the Sticky Mickey. And we were talking, we're sitting at the top of this hill. My house was down at the bottom. We're sitting at the top of this hill. That at the time seemed huge. I've gone back since, and it looks like it's maybe as steep as, you know, the, the balcony, but a quarter mile long, so not real steep. But at the time, it was huge. And we're talking about it. He's telling me, man, you got to learn how to ride one hand. I said, yeah, if you can do it, I can do it. I can ride one hand. He says, well, you might want to use my bike because I got the slick. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. He's a year older than me. He knew better. I mean, he was smarter. So I got on his bike. He gets on my bike, and we start going down. And he, and he tells me, "So you got to get up speed, and then, and then just let go with one hand. You're riding with one hand." I'm like, "Yeah." So I'm on his bike, red with a fat slick on it, and we're racing down the hill, and we're going fast enough. And he's like, "All right, good enough. Time to go." So I let my hand up like this.
1: I'm, Woo, I'm
0: I hit gravel, I hit the ground, I went in over in, and I skidded down that road, which was, it was just uh, uh, seal-coated. It wasn't asphalt, it was seal-coated. So it was all these rocks. I skidded down that thing on my face. My face and my knees and my hands. This day I've got scars under mine, that's why I keep a mustache. My lip and my nose, I've got scars, scars on my forehead. That's been a long time, like 40 years ago. We're watching that last night. Every time my mom sees that picture, I can see her. I can feel her tense up. It it, just—it brings pain to her to see her baby hurt like that. And I guess to make matters worse, I was scheduled. We were scheduled for family pictures or something that day. It didn't happen. So that's bad enough to see, your, to see your little boy crash on his bicycle or whatever and get bumped up and get bruised up and get hurt. But can you imagine being Mary who's agreed to raise the son of God and you see him on his last day. He has gone through a night of being beaten. He, his back is shredded. He's got a thorn of crowns on his head. He is, he is bleeding profusely. He's dragged his cross over a mile from Jerusalem up to Golgotha. Hands and feet nailed to this cross and he's dropped in the ground. And his mother was faithful to stand there to watch her baby die. Fast forward to Acts chapter one, verse 14, after Jesus had been resurrected and he spent 40 days appearing to people. His last day, he's on the Mount of Olives, he's got a crowd of people around him and he tells his disciples, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift of my father. They went down and they waited in the upper room in Acts chapter one, verse 14 says, and Mary, his mother, was there. She didn't get a pass because she gave birth to Jesus. She wasn't saved because she gave birth to Jesus. She was transformed because she was a faithful woman, not a faultless woman. I mention Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she represents, in my mind, those who seem to have it all together. She represents the perhaps the believer, the, the person that was born into a, into a godly family. She represents the, the person that had, you know, cut their teeth on the pew. Grew up in church and never really rebelled outwardly. Yet we know those we know those people exist, and we know that they're not sinless, they're not faultless, but they've been faithful. And on the outside, we don't see anything wrong with them. They've never been overly rebellious. They always appear cool, calm, and collect on the outside. But how many of you know there are some of those people maybe even sitting here this morning they're being torn up on the inside with things that many others can't or just won't understand. There was nobody else that could understand the pain that that mother was going through on that day. She represents those who remain faithful even after possibly stumbling a little bit. She got to do something that nobody else got to do, nobody else ever going to get to do again. But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if God asks you to do something that's never been done before. God's got a track record of calling people out and saying, "Let's do something nobody's ever done before." He called Moses out, had him part the Red Sea—never been done before. Lead the people through it—never been done before. Strike a rock, speak to a rock, never been done before. Water come gushing, out. Huh? Called Peter to walk on water, never been done before. To my knowledge hasn't been done since. Called Noah to build an ark, never been done before. My goodness, hadn't even rained before. God's in the business of, of challenging our faith and encouraging us and equipping us. And don't be surprised if he asks you one of these days to do something that's never been done before. And once you realize that it is the voice of God, then, then get busy and get ready to do it. That's my word of encouragement to you. Philip ran alongside a chariot and then was teleported. Never been done before, never been done since. Crazy stuff. God's not looking for faultless people, church, which is good news because uh, they don't exist. But he will use the faithful. He will use the faithful. So that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let me talk to you a little bit about Mary Magdalene. Where Mary was was, uh, chosen because she was faithful, Mary Magdalene was faithful because she was chosen. She was chosen to receive grace. Luke chapter 8 talks about Mary. I'd like to flip there. Luke chapter eight, we'll start in verse one. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and those to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now, probably just about everybody in here has heard the name Mary Magdalene, has read the story. Oh yeah, she had seven demons. Okay, that's interesting. That's this this is not something that we ought to just brush over. This woman had 7 demons in her. And I'm not talking about the kind of demons that so many in the church today uh, want to talk about. Oh the, oh, the demon of rum overtook me or the demon of anger or the demon of, of this. Uh, no, these were seven demons. These are demons that take control of your body and cause you to writhe. These are demons that take control and cause you to foam at the mouth and cause your eyes to roll back. I've heard of, of people being demon possessed and writhing like a snake up the aisle in a church. These are demons that are mean, nasty, and ugly, and their desire is to kill you. These are demons that, that provide supernatural strength. Jesus ran into a demoniac in the Gadarenes, and he, had, he was so powerful because of the demons that he could not bind him. He broke every chain that they ever put on him. Finally, they just let him go, and he hung out in the, in the tombs cutting himself and, and screaming and, and crying and running around naked. You don't want that kind of person hanging out in town. These are the kind of demons this woman had. How many of you remember a few years back, it was on the news in Miami, there was a guy that got a hold of some bad drugs. There was a guy that he had been, I don't know, sniffing, snorting, shooting uh, bath salts. And, And they found him naked on top of another naked man. He was eating the man's face. I thought about showing the video, and I thought, no, that's just. No, I want to I tell you something. Did anybody here see that? I watched that video unfold, and they're talking about bath salts. They're talking about the guy who's got a psychological issue. That man was demon-possessed. I saw him gnawing on the man's face, and the policemen come up, and they shoot him. And he turned around. He's like this. They shoot him, and he turns around and goes, and goes back to chewing on the man's face. That is not bad drugs. That is not a psychological issue. That is demon possession. And that is what this Mary Magdalene had. I don't know that she ever ate anybody's face off, but she had seven demons in her that took control of her life. Seven demons in her that wreaked havoc. Seven demons that were trying at every turn to kill her. Demon-possessed people go to church. A lot of the people that Jesus set free from demons, he set them free in the middle of the service. What are you gonna do when a demon-possessed person walks into this church? What are you going to do when you walk past a demon-possessed person on the street? Because they're there. Jesus has not bound the demons. They are here. Jesus said, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. If people are still getting sick and people are still dying, believe me, demons are still possessing people. They are around us. And I say this to our shame as believers, too often our response is this. Get on the other side of the road. Oh, look at that, oh, that is just nutty. Or you know what else we do? And I kinda understand this one. I'm not not really picking on, I kinda, here's the other thing we do, oh, that's scary. Ooh, let me get away from that. Because in our natural self, Wickedness, supernatural wickedness is scary. But doesn't the Bible say that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Are we not supposed to be the hand of Jesus extended? What happened when Jesus ran into a demon-possessed woman? Seven demons. He loved her. He set her free. And she became part of his entourage. It's like it's like It's like today before we leave, some woman comes in and and she's full of of demons. We cast her out tomorrow. She's working as a secretary, helping June out. She's answering the phones. That's what Mary Magdalene did. She followed Jesus. She followed the 12 disciples. She paid for much of his ministry out of her own pocket. Because he who the son sets free is what? What? indeed she's got a story here's something else that I find interesting and why I wanted to bring Mary Magdalene into the same story with Mary the mother of Jesus on Jesus' last day while he's hanging on the cross and his mother Mary is watching him die you know who else was there Mary Magdalene. All those disciples that had walked with him and done ministry, gone. Mary, mother of Jesus. This woman that so many think is just perfect, never done anything wrong. Standing watching her son. And next to her, Mary Magdalene. Out of whom seven demons had been cast out. Two people righteous, not because of things that they had done, but because Jesus intersected their lives. Standing at the foot of the cross, watching their Savior as he paid the price for both of their sins. You know, church, one day, we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with people who have been demon-possessed. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with people who have been prostitutes, homosexuals, drug runners, child abusers. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with people from every tongue and tribe and nation. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder one of these days and we're going to fall on our knees before the King of Kings and worship him together. But I say why wait till we get to heaven? So we got people all around us need Jesus. There are people all around us that have a story that's being written. And if our path intersects theirs, and we have an opportunity to love on them. Yeah, in, in, invite your friends to church. I don't care how ugly, nasty, messy, stinky, icky they are. I'll be excited if you got friends that are nasty, ugly, stinky, and messy. I've got friends that are nasty, ugly, stinky, and messy. I'm looking at some of them. just 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 kidding, sort of. <laughs> that was not called for. I just thought it was funny. I apologize. Jesus had friends that were nasty, ugly, stinky. And messy. Helped them write a new story. Need to understand this. One who was faithful her whole life and loved Jesus prior to his conception, and the one who had been farther. From him, spiritually speaking, than anyone else, stood side by side the day that he died. You see, Mary Magdalene, she was full of demons, and that didn't happen accidentally. She represents. If if Mary, the mother of Jesus, represents uh, those who who are born and raised in the church and just grew up faithful. Mary Magdalene represents the other side of the spectrum that is involved in all sorts of witchcraft and, and drug abuse. Did you know that the Greek word for drugs is pharmakia, and they were used to tap into the spirit world. Drugs were used to tap into the spirit world. They're used today to tap into the spirit world. This is why the basalt saying, sang blah, blah, blah. I don't know how she ended up being possessed, but I know this, it was because she was involved in something cultic. She opened herself up and allowed not just one, but seven demons to come in. We don't have to be afraid. Church, when we we have the opportunity to cast out a demon, cast out that demon in Jesus' name, and you don't have to be afraid that that demon's gonna jump from that person onto you, all right? Doesn't happen, can't happen. Sometimes children are demon-possessed because parents have authority over their children. They put their children in positions to be open up to it. But understand this, Jesus loves them, no matter how messed up they are, no matter how far they were. And she was so far from righteousness. But when she intersected Jesus' path, he set her free. Here's another cool thing about Mary Magdalene. John chapter 20, verse 1 and following, it talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. And said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Fast forward down to verse 10, they all go back. Verse 10, the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. That this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Yeah, you get in a stressful situation, you don't see things straight. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, "Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I'll go get him." And Jesus said to her, "Mary." She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means "Teacher." Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Of all the people that Jesus ministered to, he chose Mary Magdalene, a former demoniac, to be the first one, not his mama former demoniac to be the first one to see him risen and the first one to get the proclamation to say, hey, go and tell my brothers, I'm back. Don't count anybody out. Their story is not done being written. Don't count yourself out. Your story is. Is not done being written. So I challenge you this morning. I'm gonna we're gonna challenge you for the next several weeks. I really want to encourage you. Spend some time, maybe sit down and write out your story. We're gonna hear more stories about people in the gospel. We're gonna pull back the layers. But I want to know your story, because other people need to know your story. Because they see this version. They need to see where you've come from and where you're going. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, thank you for the stories that are being written here. For the lives, Lord, that are being touched and being transformed. Lord, I thank you, though, not only are their lives being touched and transformed, but but Jesus, you are using each one and want to use each one to reach those that are outside these walls. Lord, you allow that our lives cross paths with others, but those that those that don't feel that they can come to church, those that don't feel clean enough to approach God himself, Lord, you send us to cross their paths that we might represent you to them. Lord, help us to see people with a new light. Help us to see the lost through your eyes. Lord, I pray that we would see the lost as you see them. Lord, that we would feel for them what you feel for them. Lord, that we wouldn't be puffed up with pride because of our years of experience in church or because of our vast knowledge with Scripture. And I do say that sarcastically. Lord, that we wouldn't be puffed up with pride. But Lord, that we'd be humbled. To be your servants and Lord, that we would step out and do your will. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I don't know if if you can uh, if, if you can relate to to Mary, the mother of Jesus, or you can relate to Mary Magdalene, one who was born and raised in church and was and was faithful and and stumbled a little bit, or or one that that was as far away from the Lord as could possibly be. You can. You can understand either one, or relate to either one of them, and and this morning you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I, I just I need to do it a little bit better. I just want to draw closer to the Lord. I want the rest of my story to bring glory to Him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I'm just going to pray for you right where you're at. Thank you. You want your story to reflect His glory. Lord, you see the hands all around the sanctuary this morning. I pray. Jesus, whether they relate more to your mother or they relate more to, to Mary Magdalene, Lord, they would find their strength in you. Lord, that as you continue to write their story, they wouldn't, Lord, they wouldn't pull out an eraser, they wouldn't try to hit an edit button, but Lord, that they would allow you to write the story and that it would reflect your glory. Father, I pray that you'd build and bless and encourage them not only today, but Lord, as they walk out of this place, or as the enemy tries to steal that which you've given them today, would you encourage them? Encourage each one of us. Lord, use us. Use us for your glory. We'll be quick to give you the praise, Jesus. And now, Lord, I commit your people to you, to your grace. And ask that you keep us safe and bring us back, Lord. Bring us back Wednesday. Give us opportunities of fellowship in between. Lord, let us reflect you everywhere we go. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. For more information, you can find us online at
1: www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.